Hi, I'm Cherry. I'm Claire. And this is Dialogy Deep, Deep Dive. So, a couple things about this episode. The first is that if there's background noise, it's because we're filming in a public place. So, please excuse that if we aren't able to edit it out. Uh, second thing is that this is going to be a little bit different than the previous episodes we've been um, putting out because uh, we've been doing a lot of like experience-based um, retrospective theoretical theoretical tips and uh things like that part of the competitive experience but we kind of wanted to follow up on something that we talked about before being um the idea of prep and how to approach emotion because we think that that's kind of like a timeless thing and um it might just be helpful to you guys to listen through this episode maybe pretend you're like our third partner or something yeah um maybe even like take notes on our general structure of prep we'll be we'll be reflecting on it after but what we're planning on doing is running through emotion as if we've never seen it before and are planning to debate it. It'll be like 15 minutes prep, BP style. Um, are you going to be first or second? Um, you know, why don't we prep as if we're only prepping for the first? Because I feel like okay. the case yeah. is most yeah. relevant. Okay. Um, so yeah. the entire point of this episode is that we're going to make it as authentic as possible, which is why the way that we think through things aren't going to be very coherent. We literally picked motion like two minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, we literally just picked the motion <laughs> two minutes ago because the entire point is to show you guys what it's like to debate in the time pressure and to have to come up with arguments that mm-hmm. are very... Pressuring? Yeah, pressuring. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the word was. Yeah. Um, we al- I also know that like throughout the summer, quite a lot of you were in the Dialogy Deep Dive summer series for feminism. So you might have some basis for the topic that we're going to be analyzing. Again, it'll just be 15 minutes of prep, and then after that we'll break down how we prepared and kind of the background knowledge we had on feminism or other feminist debates that were relevant. So without further ado, are you feeling ready? I'm going to get the timer. Yes, we're going to be ready. We're going to set this for 15 15 minutes. Okay, we're going to set this for around 15 minutes, but... We're also going to, if we want to talk more about it, we're just going to go over time. But we'll let you know exactly when it's going to be 15 minutes. When it's supposed to have been the end of prep. So, like, we're not perfect. We're We're not high school debaters. We're not perfect. And personally, I'm a little rusty. I don't know about sharing. Yeah, we're rusty. (laughs) We're rusty. Yeah, so this is going to be, like, it's not a perfect example of this is how you should do it. But this is an Mm -hmm. example of how we do it. I guess more experienced prep might look. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Without further ado, what's the motion? This house regrets the commercialization of feminism. Okay, and we're going to be on prop. Yes, we're going to be on prop. All right, so time starts now. Okay, so what are your initial thoughts? Okay, I think the biggest thing we need to focus on is this idea of commercialization Mm -hmm. and the nature of it, right? Yeah. So I think that the main thing about commercialization is the aim. So if firms are using this idea as like, a concept to convince people to buy certain products. This probably means that the nature of promoting this idea is very artificial in terms of wanting to gain profit out of this concept. So I think that that's going to be the biggest difference and kind of the clash in one of the debates. That's something I anticipate already from the start. Yeah. So, okay, give me a minute. Um, let's like do silent prep. Yes, silent prep. I had like pretty much the exact same. Okay. Hey guys, this is Cherry here, editing the podcast episode right now. So as you may know, right now, Claire and I are doing a two-minute prep, and 
we're just going to cut down the silence just to make this podcast shorter. So right now, expect to hear a skip of two minutes. So during this time, you can pause the episode and you can prep for two minutes by yourself before we start sharing our thoughts. Or you can just continue this episode and we'll skip right through the silence and it will be fast forwarded to two minutes where we start sharing our thoughts. Thank you. It's been about two minutes. Do you want to share? Yeah. Okay. So the first way that I approached this was to talk about just the nature and purpose of things, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to approach this in the context of just a feminist movement and what that usually looks like in real life, right? So if we think about the nature of feminism, through my own personal experience, when I think of movements, I think of this idea of a very like raw, emotional, and genuine type of idea where like, you have this very big community that's all fighting for one cause and that's the main like level of attraction that i think that motivates people to join these communities in the first place so when i contrast this to this idea of commercialization which is just comparatively less genuine because when you see products being sold under the idea in which like oh it's going to empower you something like that along the lines of that mm-hmm. i think that it devalues the entire concept of what feminist movements are made for, right? Because it's no longer genuine. It no longer feels like you're fighting for a cause. You're just fighting for this concept that's very, very, like, what are ways to put it? That's very artificial and, like, it doesn't seem like it has a deeper meaning into it anymore. So I think in many cases, it makes feminism seem more shallow, even if that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I was thinking, like, to start off with, right, like, what do I think... Who do I usually think is doing this? Oh my gosh, my computer. Who do I usually think is doing this commercialization? And then what does it look like? Like when I think of commercialized feminism, I think of either like products that are like, you know, those shirts at H&M that are like, oh, yeah. like girls oh, will run the it? world in 20 Oh yeah, years. and like, like something kind of equals, pow- women equals power. Yeah, like, like something like that. Like those kind of like slogany shirts. I think of like, um, even like ads that like mm-hmm. appeal to feminine like you know tampon and pad ads like historically are like super gendered like they're like well no yeah. obviously they're super gendered but like they're like <laughs> they're like um they're like be a feminine woman by using my product like that kind mm-hmm. of thing right so like from that mind of like what it looks like and also the fact that it's usually like big name brands that are doing it um i was also thinking about the thing about inauthenticity where like um it's often like very targeted towards like you can be something if you use our product right Mm -hmm. which like is very like what's the what's the phrase for like activism for show oh it's performative um, activism yeah performative activism but also also kind of slacktivism too yeah yeah, i feel like this gives like so many people a leeway Mm -hmm. to like not support feminism by just wearing a shirt you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i think it just like it really dilutes this idea of like consensus about promoting female equality because people who don't they can just get away with just like saying a random slogan yeah and then not being pressured or challenged about their ideas and, and um stances oh i'm also thinking oh my god I'm we just spilled something um also reminds me of like the idea of how good is the representation for people who like want it right like are authentic or like um want this as a means to promote themselves in like their community i think that the representation tends to be really shallow really incorrect and also really flashy right because corporate interests are like to grab your eyes like a pink shirt with like glittery letters or like 
Yeah. Um, really shallow being like just like one sentence messages like 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 the women is power equals power. Yeah. Fe- like female equals future. Oh, like yes. that oh, kind that's of thing. What it was. Right? Like those are really future. like simplistic and don't have any nuance. Mm-hmm. And like when it's like young girls wearing these shirts, they like hear this message with like no substance or like see it and it's very gendered. So like it can be counterproductive as well. Mm-hmm. But then again, now that I think about it, right, I think yeah. something also I'm just going to like kind of break this momentum and also just talk strategic level. Mm-hmm. I think it's very beneficial whenever you kind of input your own opinions into the motion as well. Because I feel like many yeah. kids, they have this tendency where they think that, oh, a side is given to me and therefore I have to only think about that side. Yeah. But it's also super advantageous when you think about how your values play into it as well, right? Mm-hmm. If you're... For example, a woman that's still trying to find her way in the world. What do you think about this issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are things that you commonly see in your life that you want to change? And how do you integrate that into this notion? That's just a very good tip of how I like to generate arguments and just contextualize the entire motion in general. Yeah, um, I do think that, like, the fact... Okay, personally, kind of like jumping off that back into prep. I don't think that commercialization of feminism is bad. But I think that the way that it's played out historically has been mm-hmm. problematic and also is, like, quite inevitable, right? So, like, yeah. historically, who who's in charge of marketing, even, like, two women? Like, the idea of makeup and, like, how beauty standards are set by men, even with, like, makeup and, like, dieting and that kind of thing, right? We've had this conversation, like, a bazillion times. Yeah. But that idea is, like, it's because historically it's always going to be men creating these advertisements and doing this commercialization. And very rarely is it going to be all female teams or, like, female-led teams doing this. So even though commercialization inherently is not necessarily bad, it's the fact that it's almost inseparable from, like, patriarchal ideas and, like, the male gaze Mm -hmm. that it's problematic. So I think we can use that as like an even if or like integrate it as like a response or something like that or put it in our stance that like we don't think commercialization is always inherently bad. Yeah. We think that historically it needs to be regretted because of of, like we can put this in the characterization of like factors like who is doing it, um, like big companies, men, and then what it looks like and why it's that way. Yeah. I I definitely see your point about like why commercialization commercialization might not be necessarily a bad thing because at the end of the day social movements they do thrive off of public consensus Mm -hmm. and many times when you're able to commercialize this and make this a very like mainstream idea that's when you can get the most exposure that's when you have these people who want to conform to this idea of what's trendy and therefore want to participate in feminism even if it might be a more like watered down shallow version so Mm -hmm. i think this is really going to come down as a trade-off or a particular clash in the debate about whether or not we choose like the depth of understanding we have about the evolution of feminism and how deep we want to go versus just spreading out this message to as many people as possible. I think also, um, I guess, like, some arguments we can preempt is this idea of, like, exposure. of Like, young girls who see this with other people's clothing, their own clothing, it kind of puts, like, a foot in the door to be like, oh, what does this mean? Or, like, when you're older, you're like, oh, well, I was comfortable with feminism when I was younger. Um, also, like, community messaging to, like, identify other feminists. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's definitely, like, something we might have to preempt. Definitely. What else can we run? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think the f- like just to organize everything. Yeah. I think 
the first argument that we kind of came up with off the bat is just the idea where you like superficialize this idea of feminism mm-hmm. and how that goes against the nature of what movements are for mm-hmm. and just the original idea of what feminism means. And then I think the second one was about what was our second one? Oh, it was about um, where you make. Oh, it was about activism. Poor oh, representation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, poor representation might be part of the first argument. The mm-hmm. second argument could be about slacktivism, how you give yeah. people an excuse to not dive deeper and challenge their own views because they can just wear a slogan on their shirt mm-hmm. and call it a day. Um, what else can we run? I mean, I think when I think about commercialization, I think that this is definitely like another step in the history of how feminism developed because mm-hmm. I think I'm not sure if you guys know but feminism has like had many different waves of changes so the first one was more the first wave was more like oh we want I think the first wave suffrage. was characterized as yeah women's suffrage movement where they wanted um equal rights in terms of like voting things like that and then it slowly progressed into like oh we want to stick by unconventional gender roles where we want to take on masculine traits and then the further one was about the third wave which was more like present like kind of integration of equality in all spheres yeah and then now it right now we're like choice feminism where it's like you get to choose what you want to be now and whatever you choose as a woman obviously this varies from like country and culture but like this is like this is like more westernized view that i think most most motions take on unless they really specify like Oh, this is going to happen in Middle Eastern countries, for example, which is a completely oh, yeah. different topic. Oh yeah, let's think about that. What about like, how does this look in different cultures, um, mm. and from per- different perspectives, like oh, men, yeah, LGBTQ community? I think that we could argue that it actually, like, hurts other social movements as well. Mm. Like, for example, I'm thinking about like the LGBTQ movement, right? Like, is it kind of forces like blatant show of pride in order to seem like you're an ally or in order to seem like you're a proud member of the lgbt community like mm-hmm. the, the idea like well obviously part of it like personal where like you want to have a pin on your back to represent your pride or like your identity yeah. but also like re- like you know like during um pride month like the really flashy big brands that did like rainbow clothing oh yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah yeah like we could argue that it harms other social movements by kind of forcing them into that bubble as well mm-hmm. and then it as a result, maybe polarizing the movement. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, men or, like, cishet people tend to be more intimidated by, like, very flashy gestures, like, things like that. We could argue, like... So, in case you guys didn't know, polarization is kind of a term we use when you kind of extremify the spectrum. So, instead of having, like, a grayscale of, like, the degree in which you support feminism, right now, when you commercialize feminism, you polarize the spectrum by saying that, oh... It doesn't seem like you support this idea until you like make it very blatant that you do support feminism by wearing like female equals future slogans or like carrying around some different types of merch. And in that scenario, polarization is usually like usually argued as a really bad thing. Okay, I think we could also argue, and I don't know if this is maybe contradictory to our previous arguments, but we could say that it actually provides the illusion of more progress. Then, like you know the what is it called like the 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 the, the scapegoat. Oh guys, sorry. Um, this is fifteen minutes. 
So right now, yeah. usually this is where BP prep stops, but we're just going to continue on for the sake of We're going to pretend episode. we're walking to the yeah. venue. Yeah, exactly. We're going to walk like, through the venue. You know, you know the idea of like scapegoat... Uh, scapegoats where like governments are like we've done enough for your policy like that but on a social level Mm -hmm. where people think there's more acceptance for feminism than there really is or there's more equality because there's an illusion of acceptance with like people with like the products and the marketing and the clothing like things like that so then that actually like hinders progress yeah because i feel like like i think we can group that into the second argument actually like slacktivism as in people feel like they're doing enough yeah there could be like different there's also the layer of yeah plus yeah. scapegoat. Yeah. Okay, so, is there anything else you want to add, or should we wrap up wrap about here? Mm, I think that's... I think I had a point. What was I going to say? Oh, yes. About how this idea about social consensus vs, like, legislative change, right? Mm-hmm. So, for this idea about, like, slowing down the progression of things, right? I mean, of course, it's great if, like, you have more people supporting this cause. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's actually going to be, like, substantive legislative change that actually guarantees some sort of result for women, right? Because I think that's kind of the ultimate goal that the movement was originally founded upon, right? It wasn't just about having more people support this idea, but it was actually enforcing some sort of change that all females can experience on a legal standpoint. Yeah. So, okay, so... Okay, so wrapping up prep here, obviously there's other things we can add them in a sec, but like, that's kind of the simulation of, that took us about 17 minutes, and then minusing the time that we took to like explain things, or like, quote unquote pause prep, which I didn't subtract from the actual time, it'd be about 15. So that's what a BP prep might look like. Um, as you can tell, our our like silent prep time was like quite short, we did like two minutes tops. Um, at the start, we even just like got right into it. Because we have, um, we've done very similar motions. We've probably done this motion before. But yes, in some form. Yeah, so leaving prep, we have three arguments. The first is the idea of kind of like recruitment of people into the movement. So the first one was this idea under recruitment, there's this idea of like superficial representation, poor representation, things that go against the purpose of feminism. So kind of like an integrated principle practical argument the second we have is um this idea of this idea of like a change i guess so like slacktivism and scapegoat saying about how like change doesn't actually happen for feminism and then third we have like the bigger impact so the impact on other social movements and the idea of them being polarized accessibility to them decreasing that kind of stuff so uh that might be like if i were to give a speech that those would be the arguments i follow and then we have the context up top, like who's doing it, what does it look like, all that stuff. Reflecting on our prep a little bit, I guess, before diving into like the more of the issues that might come up within our arguments and within the debate. Uh, something, some things I think are important for people to know is, firstly, I think Cherry and I demonstrate very different prep techniques. Yeah. Where, like, firstly, I use my iPad. I like write down all the ideas and then I rewrite them. Cherry uses her computer and then like, I don't know. I have. I think I really think about the nature. Yeah. Like I think for me, what I find the most like organized for myself is to just break down the nature of all the terms. Like for example, commercialization. Like the nature of that's just very artificial, very profit driven. Mm -hmm. And the feminism is like a movement that's very genuine and derived from like community. Yeah. Whereas like whereas Cherry thinks about this more like what are the 
like what's implied by this and what are the values behind this i'm thinking more like what are recent controversies or like how do i see this in the world so Mm -hmm. that is one like i guess helpful way in which you can different perspectives that you can visualize initial thoughts with um i also did like on my sheet i can't show you guys but i (laughs) i wrote like context in big letters i put a pros and cons column mm-hmm. so just as a brainstorm like inevitably you're gonna think of arguments for the other side so like stick yeah. them in there come back to them later or if like obviously feminism is a very it's a very mainstream like debate motion i would say like you'd probably have one in almost every competition you go to yeah. which is why you have like a social movement one that yeah you have some sort it, of social yeah. movement some sort of like advocation type motion mm-hmm. um but for motions that are less intuitive think about what the opposing team might say like what claire mm-hmm. said right like if you think that you're definitely on the less intuitive side you can always think about what the other team might say and then just flip the argument and just mm-hmm. debate the opposite so it's also and, very good for coming up with extensions or like third yeah. arguments if you want one yeah like that. so in that way like you know that even if you don't get the arguments right you'll at least be on clash with the other team because mm-hmm. it's just the opposite of what the other team is saying yeah yeah also helpful that we did is thinking of other perspectives mm-hmm. um obviously like relevant stakeholders but like applying it to other stakeholders where when we were kind of running out of like ideas we were like oh well who else might this impact like the lgbt community men um things like that like i <laughs> guess if we if we had gone longer with prep we par- probably would have gone into like different parts of the political spectrum yeah or like different um, geographics different geographic like. like different cultures maybe like even uh the f- spectrum of feminism so like how might this isolate like radical feminists as opposed to like you know like shyer feminists you know mm-hmm. like people who just read feminist literature and don't actually go to marches like academic feminists like things like that like mm-hmm. if we were to run like a much longer prep or if we did like a world school yeah. full hour prep one person would probably be doing that while yeah. another person's writing and another person's like, like more implication clash yes yeah. that type of prep yeah prepping out the clashes for sure um what do we think are some important things is there anything else about actually before that is there anything else about our prep style that you think is important to share mm, i think that from my experience i remember the first few competitions of prep i thought that it had to be super structured but as you can see between me and claire it's quite conversational not yeah. just because we're recording a podcast and it's supposed <laughs> to be that way. But I think, like, it's really good when you approach it as a conversation because yeah. you kind of give yourself the liberty to, like, jump back and forth between ideas. And on the way, you kind of come up with new branches that you can segue off of. Like, for example, when me and Claire were like, oh, disclaimer, like, the different waves of feminism might apply to different, apply differently to different countries. Mm-hmm. And then Claire suddenly came up with the idea about how feminism commercialization of feminism might affect other demographics differently and through that conversation i think that you're able to generate a lot more details that you might not have originally noticed if you were very set on like one two three four steps yeah a couple things i want to share to that is like in terms of the idea of being more loosely structured like you might be used to in practice trying to follow that like the world school like five minutes silent prep after five minutes everyone share <laughs> after five minutes rebut each other like that kind of thing it's really helpful to have that but what like in an actual competitive setting 
like if you're at a tournament or something, it's not realistic. Like yeah, you're gonna get really stressed like, out. You're exactly. actually gonna get stressed out. And it out. depends on the motion. It definitely yeah. depends. So on it's the like motion. a good thing to keep in mind, but allow yourself and your team the flexibility, and then communicate about it, right? Yeah. So like uh, a big thing is for me as like someone who's usually a first speaker, um, is that you want to loosely keep an eye on the time where we're like, oh, it's been like it was at that when I said it's been two minutes, it was like three fifty-seven. So like, <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, like it's okay to like look at the time and then based on your pack. Past, past your past, past practice like recognize oh it's probably time to move on or like based mm-hmm. on this motion we might need more time for clashes like things like that and then um also like i literally just like moved on from saying this but as someone who's usually first speaker especially as a captain or as a first speaker it's okay to tell your team what you need yeah because a second speaker might have really great ideas for like clashes or like for like rebuttals if you're on the less intuitive side or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you as a first speaker might be like, dude, I'm the one speaking in five minutes and I have no idea what to say. Mm-hmm. It's okay to like communicate that your team and like prioritize what comes first or like what you might need as the first speaker because mm-hmm. the case is very important. The case is very important. Being on the same page, but also do, like it, you have literally have to go first, right? So, yeah. yeah. And most of the time, the first speaker isn't always the one who contributes the most idea. Yeah. ideas in fact many times is a second and third speaker coming up with the ideas and the first speaker like synthesizing everything mm-hmm. and then writing it yeah an alternative way that we could have done prep that i've definitely experienced so we were just talking about this yeah. that would have been less helpful for us to share and i think tends to be a less helpful strategy that more experienced debaters fall into is the idea of like okay what are your arguments oh yeah and then writing them down and then adding your own ideas and then sharing them again for experienced debaters and this is the final thing i (laughs) final thing i had written down for like the prep things to know about our prep is for competitive experienced debaters um it's like we did it's easy to just throw out slang or like past motions and then immediately both people understand like for mm. example when you were like slacktivism and i was like yes yeah like you could have stopped talking there and we probably would have been on the exact same page if i ran that argument or if you ran that argument mm-hmm. um if people say like oh you know that motion we did on um what's another feminist say on income tax for women like then they're like yeah what about it and you're like you know the third argument we ran on like, whatever then yeah. like we might be on the same page there and uh so if you've done a lot of tournaments together or have had a lot of practice with similar motions, it might be fine to use that strategy where you're like, what do you have? And then yeah. I'll tell you what I have. But it often leaves speakers feeling more like they feel panicked the need, or like yeah. isolated. Yeah. And feel like the need that they have to understand at yeah. the first point if like the other person assumes you do. Yeah. Um, and also puts a lot of pressure on you to be like, what are your arguments? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but um, it might work for you, you know? So True. It might work yeah. for you. Um, it's all about experience, to be honest, I think. Some practice. Yeah, yeah, definitely some practice. Like, don't expect that, like, on the first prep, you can just, like, snap, you know everything, like, you got yeah. it under control. Also, I cannot stress this enough. As a third speaker, don't be lazy. That's true. Like, don't be the, like, in a world school's format ever. Don't be the person, or, like, even at, especially as someone who's, like, subbing out. Like, it's so tempting, especially with online debate, just to sit there, to sleep, or to be completely useless. But, like, it literally won't help you, and it definitely won't help your team. So, as, like, the captain or as the first speaker, it's okay to be like, yo, get on it. (laughs) But I also think, like, 
it's fine if you're a more quiet prepper because yeah. I know like a lot of people. It's not that they're not like. Oh, doing I know anything. people who need to write like the entire prep. We know someone who's great debater, amazing. Yeah. Um, but he has been mocked to like the end of the world because <laughs> he'll prep and then he'll spend like almost the entire prep writing out his intro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Holy. then he'll deliver the most eloquent intro, but everything else is impromptu. Maybe that works for you, but that might not work for your team, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it it might be stressful to be prepping arguments, and then there's someone who's just writing the entire time, be it their speech, be it their intro, be it anything. But, like, mm-hmm. finding that balance is important, like, within the first few rounds of a tournament, for example. Like, if you haven't had time to practice beforehand, like, mm-hmm. finding that balance, communicating about it. Um, yeah. I think this is where, like, sticking with a team, like, in some in some cases, very beneficial because mm-hmm. you, you kind of know how people work. Yeah. And sometimes it's just, like, sometimes there's just some debaters you're just not compatible with mm-hmm. because your prepping is just completely different. Ooh, what has been, Cherry, what's been your most dysfunctional prep that you can think of off the top of your head? Oh, okay. I don't think I can prep with friends. I think that's the thing. I finally, I finally figured it out. Yeah. I think the pattern is I cannot prep with friends because when I prep with friends, I care too much about mm. disagreeing with them that mm-hmm. I don't disagree with them. But then when I don't disagree with them, I don't get it yeah. because I have a different opinion. Uh-huh. But then I'm just like, ugh. But then like I don't want to like have this awkward tension with you. So I need to debate with people that like I'm very chaotic with, like mm-hmm. people that I'm just very like. I can say whatever I want to say. Yeah, and I think that's just part I feel of like my those personality. Those are the best. Press. Those are the best because you're just like I don't care if I disagree with you. Like I'm just well, like say everyone's it. screaming at each other. Yeah, exactly. But, like, it's all like so intellectual. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I like I need that like atmosphere where I feel like I can say anything without hurting people's feelings or without making it seem awkward. But I think that's all. De- it all depends on your personality. I think I'm just a more like like paranoid person. So I kind of care about, like, I'm kind of, like, careful about what I say to certain people. But that might not be for you, and that's completely fine as well. There are three instances of prep that I want to raise. I actually, it's been forever (laughs) since we, since we, like, filmed that other episode. So I don't know if I already talked about this. So sorry if I have. But um, there are three that I want to talk about. The first is relating to what you were talking about. There was someone who I was uh, PF partners with for a long time. Um, I'm going to bleep her name here Mm -mm. right that's what i was thinking yeah so (laughs) this person they're great they're wonderful debater um but i just cannot work functionally with this person on a one-on-one basis usually Mm. when there's a third person it works out okay because there's some like balancing of energies especially if it's someone like milder or someone like less familiar than Mm -hmm. like there it's kind of like a calming calming, down situation but when it's just me and this person we spend the entire prep goofing off and then freak out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. right. So, so there's that. The second one is, um, I hate programming. I can't do it. I cannot oh, do it. Oh no, I can't do that. Recently, you guys probably know Ricky, and you probably know Wesley. They're considered pros relative to me, and. <laughs> I can't do it. Like, when I prep with them, I'm so intimidated the entire time. Like, I don't know if you guys have noticed when you watch me debate with them, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm just really intimidated. And there is that component of, like, I feel like I can't share my ideas mm. or, um, or like, they're explaining ideas to me and I, like, barely understand it. So, like, it's 
like a lot of people love pro-amming. Like I've pro-ammed, I've pro-ed am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's really fun, especially at like a middle school level. Um, but personally, because I'm more, sh- shockingly, I'm more shy, like relative to older debaters, it doesn't work for me. So, but I think that's more an example of like a dynamic that you should watch out for and like how a dynamic might seep into your prep style is that I was literally just sitting there being like, explain everything to me, please. Yeah. Which is, I think we can both agree, not one of the most functional dynamics. Mm -hmm. The third example I have is one that actually like is a very good dynamic that I want to talk about is like um, at, I believe it was European 2018. We were against the Netherlands team. It was the sports motion. Oh no no no! I was with I was with um the boys. Yeah, you were with, with the, the boys, boys. In, the, in the room next yeah, to us. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's us, the story I'm the gonna talk about. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so basically, you're open. I think this was 2019 because we were kind of comfortable with that place. I'm not sure though. Doesn't matter. We I was with this team of girls, um, and Cherry was with another team, and we got this motion on sports. And we did not know anything about this motion. And we were totally freaking out. Like, freaking out, freaking out. Like, we were, like, we had literally nothing. Like, I didn't think it was possible to have absolutely nothing. But we had absolutely (gasps) nothing. Like, it was a motion. I think it was, like, it was about, like, subsidizing local sports teams or like something oh or something about income distribution it was something yeah, about yeah it was paying, like, oh yeah, yeah paying um, like wage distribution high, like high level or low level athletes the yeah, same or something, something, like like that. That. Yeah, something like that and like we j- were like buying over people from teams or like something no, complicated like wages, that something about yeah. salary and like we we just we had nothing like i'm not even kidding nothing like i looked at the paper i had the motion and this was like 40 minutes into prep and we had literally nothing and the funniest part is it was like a school that we were doing this in and there were two classrooms that were connected by a glass door and my team was in one side of the room and cherry's team yeah, was in the other i saw them freaking and out we were we were just looking at each other like do you guys know what this motion is yeah and i didn't know any because i'm not like a very like i'm not a, like like i'm not a like fall sport fan like i don't yeah. like i don't like like i don't watch soccer basketball or anything so the entire time the boys i was with they were just like throwing examples and stuff I'm yeah like, i had no so idea we were like waving at them this is so illegal but yeah. we weren't like cheating we were just like panicking together like yeah. we were waving at them through the window to get their attention and then they'd be like do you know what's going on yeah and yeah. then the boys would be like yeah and then we'd be like are you yeah, exactly. like are you serious you know? like we don't know what's going yeah. on and then cherry would look at us like no i, I don't yeah, know exactly. and then I don't we were know. like we, we were like oh my god like we were exactly. freaking out and then they were literally watching us like run around this glass room like <laughs> totally so freaking true. out like that's how dysfunctional it was but at the same time it was such a dysfunctional prep, but it was a very functional prep dynamic. Like, I think we tried just about every single strategy that we possibly could have. And we were, like, all super engaged, even though, like, I don't know who of us was first speaker, but we were all, like, in it together. And it was just such a good dynamic because we were, like, really, like, this isn't working. What can, what else can we do? Another person mm-hmm. would jump in with another strategy. Like, um so i think that and then we 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 didn't do great that debate because we missed the debate like even (laughs) after we came up with a case it was not it yeah but like but going into it we were like nervous but we still felt like we had something because of how that dynamic had worked out and like there was i I don't think there was a single way we could have done better just because of how well that went so like i think that whole story is just a proof that like i think a good prep dynamic goes such a long way Mm-hmm. Not only to make good debates great, but
but terrible debates less terrible. That's so true. Because it's also, like, about an emotional thing, too. Yeah. Like, I think... Oh, my gosh. It? You become so close with people just through prepping Yeah, that's them. so true. Like, I remember... What was, like... If I were to compare and... Con- oh, okay. So, there is this person that I think I prep so much... Like, when we debate, it's so much more, like, reassuring. It's so much more, like, calm. Yeah, like, I feel... Because I think we, we're just compatible for vibes. I'm usually not a very chaotic person unless I, like... Unless someone else is there, and then, like, we just vibe well, and then we just mm-hmm. become chaotic. But, like, in that sense, when it's more chaotic, like, my mind is a lot less, rest- like, constrained. Constrained. So, I end up, like, getting a lot more ideas versus, like, when I'm with friends. Like, I remember, like, was it Europe been... If you're 2019, that means it was 2018 when I was still... Yeah, the year with before you, guys you were for on that one. Team. That did not work for me. I would be, like, blatantly <laughs> honest. Like, yeah, yeah. it wasn't that I didn't, like, like... You guys, it was such like, a vibe, but it, yeah, it, yeah, like, it didn't work. Like, best. I don't think it's not because of like the people. We I did surprisingly people, well, though. Yeah, we did surprisingly we did, what, well. Octos? I think, yeah, Octos. Yeah, like, anyway. It was like the people were fine in like the group in 2018, but it's just like I was so stressed because I was with people that I was like friends with, like that I would mm-hmm. constantly see. And I think like I was so intimidated in that aspect where like I didn't feel like I could express my thoughts because i was scared on stepping people's toes stepping on people's toes but then like being able to like find a person that i'm now like can be chaotic with and it's fine like that's so much more Mm -hmm. comforting and like in that aspect it really depends on like how you fit with people and like that dynamic has made me like a better debater in terms of like being more free with my responses and free with my um brainstorming um i think that I'm trying to think of what I think my best prep dynamic was. Because, let's be honest, guys. It's very hard not to have personal issues that seep into debate. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with a person, like as Terry was saying, will definitely impact how you prep with them. That's for one of the reasons that I prefer World School's prep to BP prep. Like, other than... <laughs> other than, like, the time difference obviously and like the prep styles difference i just think that like having more people is just better because there's more accountability and like things like that the the role division it just goes a lot smoother um but i think it's definitely true that your relationships will impact like like i've been in teams where i've probably talked about this where there are a lot of personal issues between people like there's beef or like you just don't get along or you had an argument this morning um and it impacts like the whole team's dynamic even if it's just two people out of five that have that like relationship it really like throws a wrench in the loop anyway but like point being i think my most functional dynamic was pre-worlds oh um oh yeah that's like because they're all like i get why i get why yeah because they're all like okay see these people Please pardon the noise. I'm just going to keep talking. Yeah. But there's some back noise. But um, these this my pre-worlds team was people that I usually don't talk to. They all kind of go to the same school. Two of them were dating. It was like this, like, they're all really close. But, oh, JK, E was not on my team. But they were all really close. They all went to the same school or had, like, really tight relationships. And I was not. But they still, like, they were just really the type of people who make you feel really included and, like, are really friendly and you get really tight with really fast. So, like, for other factors, like, both, like, a lot of us felt really good about the tournament as opposed to, like, 
like also the fact that pre-worlds the expectations are lower so there's like there's a lot of factors that made that a really wonderful tournament for me but like the prep dynamic was just, just so on point because everyone communicated really well about what we needed from prep as a team that had never been a team before yeah so i think i have to stress that that's my most important thing it's like what really makes or break breaks a dynamic i think is the communication what do you what do you think what do you think were what went well and what didn't go well about our prep just now well mm. be brutally honest oh my, this but is like for, 40 for we're like 45 minutes right now we're literally 45 <laughs> oh minutes gosh. right now okay we'll um, wrap it up after this but i think what was good about our prep was i think we had a lot of ideas i think just because we're like experienced with the same type of motions like we've been to the same tournaments a lot so we kind of know we're like on the same wavelength but i think something i feel like we need more structure i feel like i feel like uh-huh. maybe it's also because this is a podcast i feel like we went like really conversational mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah usually there's more to, urgency yeah usually there's more urgency yeah. like less chill like i feel like we probably should have spent like had a little bit of time to just like write it down too um mm-hmm. just a little more structure like okay at the end these are our arguments this is the layers this is the clashes mm-hmm. you i think what went well was uh i guess like the way that we were able to jump off each other's ideas and like build onto those i think what could have gone better is i don't think we gave ourselves enough time to consider less generic or oh less yes arguments. like i think um we were kind of getting towards that at the end but i think given that we were kind of basically on the same page for the previous arguments like real quick we probably could have just like if this was a real bp round and we needed to give a speech we probably should have like cut down a lot on that and then mm-hmm. focused instead on like what unconventional arguments could we run or what bottom 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 half oh yeah yeah, what bottom half arguments could we come up with or take or like things like that yeah um maybe even prepping some pois like we didn't give ourselves any time for that yeah yeah that has been a walkthrough of our prep and reflection on prep slash feminism slash partners slash partners (laughs) lots of lots of stuff going on in this one um hope you enjoyed any parting words for our dear friends um we hit a hundred downloads. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Um, so oh no. Oh no. <laughs> so that was that's really fun. Thank you for listening. Um, see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you next time. I'm Cherry. I'm Claire. And this is Biology Deep Dive. Deep Dive.